it all sort of culminated in a point where I basically couldn't leave my parents' house and had to make some choices about what I wanted to do with my life and and turn it all around. So I basically decided that I needed to change something. And that took me on a growth journey, took me on a self-discovery journey. It took me down a path of studying for the first time. I never really liked school or just kind of cruised through school. And um, I actually found the joy of learning and finding out about myself and really wanting to understand what was happening at a physical, mental, emotional level. Having those turning point moments, having those decisions where we're looking down the barrel of, you know, either more of the same and it not going so good long term, or we're looking down a completely unknown path. And that was the position that I really found myself in my mid to late 20s. I realized like I'm married to someone that isn't the person who I'm really meant to be with for the rest of my life. And I've made these decisions out of what would redeem me, what would make me successful in my father's eyes, what would all these decisions that that weren't the true authentic decisions that I wanted to make. And so I started exploring like, well, what do I really want and who am I and what do I really believe? And the more I started asking those questions, the more the life that I had built started to shatter and fracture. Welcome to the Self Love Podcast, the show that helps crack open your heart and inspire a deeper regard for your own well-being and happiness. Proudly brought to you by 28 Essentials. Here's your host, the gorgeous Kim Morrison. Welcome to the Self Love Podcast. I am delighted and hugely excited to bring to you a gorgeous interview with two phenomenal souls. Juliet Lever and Paul Elicio are the co-founders of Evolve and Relaunch Education. With over 20 years of combined experience in the personal development industry, Paul and Juliet have trained a community of students worldwide in NLP, neuro-linguistic programming, and hypnotherapy. As a couple, they are deeply passionate about bringing transformational skills and empowering knowledge to coaches and individuals to deepen their healing, their confidence and skills, and personal transformations. We decided there was so much information that we could share. The first part, this first week, is all about Paul and Juliet, their story, how they came together. The second week is all about the how-to. So make sure you listen to both podcasts, and I'm sure you're going to truly enjoy what these beautiful souls have to teach us about the mind, the source of the heart and thinking, the way that we actually use our language, how we can let go of traumas, how we can be our best evolved, most beautiful versions of ourselves. That is what you're going to love about both of these shows Thank you so much for tuning in to the Self Love Podcast, where you can actually share a five-star rating, which is always so appreciated. And you can also head on over to my Instagram page, Kim Morrison 28. You can also head on over to my Facebook page, Kim Morrison Training. And you can also go to thewellnesscouch.com forward slash self-love podcast. Please leave your comments and feedback. We love to hear it. I know you're going to enjoy this double whammy show with these two superstars of stars. You're going to love what they've got to share and say and get ready because there are heaps of gems in both of these shows. Take care, be kind, and I look forward to seeing you again right here, same time on this beautiful self-love podcast. As you know, each week I get the absolute delightful pleasure to interview beautiful people, people who inspire me to be a better version of myself. And this week I have an exceptional couple, a beautiful pair, the amazing Juliet Lever and Paul Alessio, who are my mentors, my coaches, and even my trainers. I would love to welcome you guys to the Self Love Podcast. Hey, Kim, thanks for having us. This is awesome. We're really excited to be able to chat to you together. Thank you. I know. It's pretty cool, right? And you are a power couple, without a doubt. I've also had the privilege of interviewing you independently, which I'll put in the show notes if people want to go back and listen to that. But I thought what might be really cool this week is that we actually get to understand your story. Give us a little brief background about either of you and both of you, but more importantly, then lead us into your relationship. And I'm going to let you guys flow. We're all great speakers. So I'm going to allow you to flow into what feels powerful 
particularly around your relationship and give us a little background as to what led you to being here together right now. Awesome. Well, we both had our own individual journeys before coming together. And so um, where do you want to start? I'll start. Well, I think we're all here because of the journey you started when yeah. you were in your teens. Yeah. So, so um, for me, the journey to self-love and self-discovery, uh, I don't really think I became aware until there was enough pain in my life and, and enough sort of challenge. And I think for a lot of people, that's the catalyst for that growth of just the external world is just literally fire, smoke, everything just keeps going off. And so there's some point, a point of clarity and a wake up call. And for me, that was in my late teens, sort of early twenties, where I had just sort of finished, you know, the schooling sort of, you know, challenge and then gone out to the world and started doing a job that I didn't really like and enjoy. It's just kind of what I fell into. I was still living at home with my parents and had just come through my first relationship and the heartbreak of, you know, being this hopeless romantic, thinking one day I'd meet, you know, my Julia and be in love forever. <laughs> and, and so, you know, I had my first sort of real heartbreak early on and all those things combined with, you know, not looking after my physical body, you know, doing all sorts of interesting things as a teenager and, you know, early teen person does. And um, interesting family dynamic as well, all sort of, combined in a real environment that led to a lot of physical stress on my body, but also mental, emotional stress. And so I was really struggling with panic attacks, anxiety. I had a really bad uh, digestive system system and had irritable bowel syndrome. And basically what started happening was I started getting more and more afraid of everything, the world. I became you know more and more anxious, overwhelmed, even just leaving the house. Uh, when I was at work, I was having blackout panic attacks. And so it all sort of culminated in a point where I basically couldn't leave my parents' house and had to make some choices about what I wanted to do with my life and, and turn it all around. So I basically decided that I needed to change something. And that took me on a growth journey, took me on a self-discovery journey. It took me down a path of studying for the first time. I never really liked school or just kind of cruised through school. And um, I actually found the joy of learning and finding out about myself and really wanting to understand what was happening at a physical, mental, emotional level. And, you know, it just happened to land on a couple of books that opened my eyes to a few things. And that started the journey. I basically became obsessed with studying and learning everything I could because each little piece of information that I found, like little breadcrumbs, brought me back to uh, myself and realizing how powerful thinking and your emotions and then your body, how they all line up together. And if you get they're all in alignment, how massive a shift that can create in your world. So I started doing things like self-hypnosis. I started you know, going on the self-growth journey and finding you know, different self-help gurus to study their courses and uh, read their material. And every little bit I implemented turned my life around. And then I went from a kid that couldn't leave his bedroom to basically working in the biggest gym in South Australia over a period of a few years and then became PT of the year South Australia. But then I realized that a lot of my clients had the same sort of struggles that I did. Mm. Um, you know, it didn't matter how good I got at exercise, didn't matter how good I got at nutrition programs. Uh, clients would be successful or they wouldn't be successful because of what was happening at a mental, emotional level. And so if I could help them shift their beliefs, their values, and help them to set goals that were in alignment with their values, their results would happen. And if I wasn't doing that, they wouldn't. So I basically dived back into what helped me and I learned that to implement my clients. And once I did that, that changed the game for, for me as a coach, but also for my clients. And that just skyrocketed everything. And then I continued down that path and then eventually started teaching some of those tools and techniques I was implementing with clients. And then uh, eventually that led to a meeting. And I think you'll <laughs> fill in the next bit. Well, thank yeah. gosh that you made all those choices and made all those decisions. And yeah. I often think that when we're running a course or we're working with incredible people such as yourself, Kim, it's like we all wouldn't be here if that kid that couldn't leave his house one day didn't make this decision to mm. change his life. And I think that's something that is something we can all relate to is like having those turning point moments, having those decisions where we're looking down the barrel of, you know, either more of the same and it not going so good long-term, or we're looking down a completely unknown path. And that was the position that I really found myself in my mid to late twenties. I had really built my life up to look great 
externally. So I'd ticked all the societal success boxes. I was married. I had climbed the corporate ladder. I was earning good money. I had a nice car, had nice clothes, all of that stuff. But deep down inside, like I knew that I was meant to be doing something more in this world. And it's and it's an incredible thing to live a life where people keep reassuring you that everything's okay, but to know within your own truth that it's not for you. And I heard someone tell me once, you know, you're the only person that has to live every single day in the life that you have lived with the decisions and choices you've made. And I had made some pretty big decisions. I made a huge decision when I was a teenager. I was 16. I made the decision to leave home and go and live interstate with my boyfriend who was much older than me. And and that big decision really caused me to, to stop making decisions because I made a decision, a limiting decision that I had made a bad decision and it had negatively impacted my family, my friends, everyone was upset that I'd left home. And then all of a sudden I was living interstate with this older man and ended up marrying him and all of these incredible, you know, choices that I'd made that all of a sudden, when I got to my mid to late twenties, I realized like I'm married to someone that isn't the person who I'm really meant to be with for the rest of my life. And I've made these decisions out of what would redeem me, what would make me successful in my father's eyes, what would all these decisions that that weren't the true authentic decisions that I wanted to make. And so I started exploring, like, well, what do I really want and who am I and what do I really believe? And the more I started asking those questions, the more the life that I had built started to shatter and fracture. I could no longer fit into the matrix of the corporate bubble and I could no longer pretend that I was happy in my passionless marriage. And so within the space of 12 months, I had completely what I call relaunched my life. I I'd ended my marriage. I started studying hypnotherapy and NLP. I and I was grateful to, within a matter of months after ending my marriage, come across Paul and meet him and study his incredible courses. But what was an added benefit that I didn't see coming was the fact that the moment that we met, I just felt like I'd finally met my person. I felt like I'd met the person that made sense as to why no one else had ever been right up until then. And he just blew me away, you know, like he was just the most incredible person. And so we had this immediate moment of like, oh, there you are. Like you're, you and I were meant to play in this lifetime together. And it really has been a gift and a dance for us to be able to do that. And so, you know, since ending my marriage and quitting my corporate life, I've started my coaching business. I, I spent a few years really finding myself through my coaching business and, and making a difference in the world in that way and running retreats in Bali. But then for the last four years, Paul and I have been co-teaching NLP together and it's truly profound life-changing skills that we have the honor to be able to share with humans who are also looking down that path of like, well, do I just stay in my comfort zone or do I start peeling back the layers of programming and decisions and beliefs that aren't even me? And that's what excites me because I know what it felt like to be so trapped and so stuck. And I know what it feels like to, to go through that and the gifts and the gold that is on the other side. So yeah, that's, uh, I guess, a little sneak preview into our journeys. Of course, they're much more detailed than all of that, but that's the, the high level. <laughs> Well, I think what's so beautiful about hearing both of you speak, and there's a number of questions I have, and thankfully we have the time, but there was many sliding door moments. And mm. one of the things that you guys have actually mentioned here is your decisions. And it sounds like you both have taken full responsibility for the decisions. And one of the things that I've loved that you have taught is that life doesn't happen to you, it's happening for you. Could you both explain then your perspective on how, because some people would listen to this and go, that's BS. I couldn't help it if a car hit my dad, God forbid, you know, or someone died tragically or a disease came along when he was really healthy or she did this. And many people think, things happen to them. So as you've grown, found your person, how have you evolved to really trust and believe in what life is doing for us? You're going to go first? Yeah, you want me to? <laughs> so I believe life is like the playground that we are going through 
evolutions and learning and we're getting challenged at the level we're at so if you imagine your school journey you started off in reception and you had reception level challenges and if you could do finger painting and you could not eat too much play-doh and not poop under the desk you would probably pass right and then you get the next level then you get the next level challenge and so through life we presented external and both internal challenges and so as we learn to evolve as a consciousness as a human being the level of acceptance that we can have both internal and external will determine our elevation and what sort of challenges we can take on so you know if you can't handle a you know a certain amount of challenge you only get that certain amount of challenge you'll be stuck there so for example that shows up different to everyone some people physical challenge they want to run 10Ks and that's their upper limit. Some people, it's 100Ks. For some people, they want to, um, you know, have a business, then it grows to, you know, I can handle 10 clients. And some people, they want a 1,000 people in their business. Some people have two businesses, three businesses, four businesses. Some people, it's family. They have, you know, it's one kid. Some people want two kids and they let their, their, their challenges grow. And so as you grow as a consciousness, you're going to evolve and take on challenges that are aligned to your values and seek more of them. But in terms of handling life, external situations and the obstacles and challenges of your life, you've really got a choice. You know, life will throw you challenges to help you grow. And so you can either evolve by choice or by chance. And so if you just are living the unconscious life and letting life sort of throw you around like a dodgem car and you get bumped one way, bumped way the other way, and you're just kind of constantly just kind of reacting off what's happened to you, you're at mercy of the world outside of you. And you're going to let those events and those happenstances throw you off course. And most people live life like a dodge and car game where there's no outcome, no goal to move towards. You're just reacting to whatever is knocking you off path. And you want to go and take your revenge or find a way to, you know, get your one up on what just happened to you. And that will only get you to a certain place. There's a time and place where you can kind of choose your path and kind of get back on track again. So like a train, you know, you can know your destination, choose what the right train path to be on, and then, you know, set your destination. There's going to be stops on the way. When you get there, it might not be where you want to go, but at least you're making progress. And so the external things in life, whether it's a, a challenge, an obstacle, an accident, a death, or some major shit that happens in life, well, the truth is nature grows best in shit and death. And like, I know that's a pretty big concept to be saying the first time people hear it, but if you want something to grow, you either fertilize it or you let something decay on it, right? And so these uh, can be the biggest challenges, but also the biggest growth opportunities. So you've got a choice. You can either let it be something that limits you and gets in the way of your, your goals, but it can also be the pivotal thing that helps you on your way. It can be part of your story, not the end of your story. So as a human being, we've got this unique ability to create a narrative and give things meaning. Because life, you know, the ancient Buddhist quote, life is inherently meaningless. Life is just an endless series of events. But as a human being, we give meaning to events. And that meaning then determines whether or not we can grow from it, whether we can learn from it, whether we turn it into something that gives us our superpower or we let it be our kryptonite. So this is where, as a human, that ability to transform the external world through our perception and the meaning and the story we give it we literally can turn the worst thing that happened to us in our life to being the most meaningful the most purposeful and the most powerful thing that helps us grow that energizes us and gives us our fuel to now handle any other challenge because when you when you've transformed that and you turn that you know kryptonite into an energy source it allows you to have that fuel that can drive you to be the super person that you are inside you. So and when you can handle your biggest obstacle and you can jump it, then you've now developed the super skill and the superpower to handle anything that happens in life. So, you know, it is really one of those things. And um, as you know, in our training, we teach you tools to shift your perception and your emotional attachment. And a lot of times people get clouded in the emotion of what's happening and what they've attached to the external world and the external situation. And when you can see past the emotion and instead of having the wounds, you have the wisdom of the past, then, you know, that will help you grow because the wisdom is what will help you to be able to handle the situation in the future. The wounds, unless you heal them, will always be a trigger. They'll always be that sore spot. They'll always be the, you know, that thing that your injury that stops you from performing the way that you could in life. So what we really do is teach people to take those wounds and turn them into wisdom so that, it's no longer the broken leg they've got to dance with. It's now healed, 
when you break something, it normally comes back stronger. So you really turn that crisis into that opportunity and you shape your life with it being a life-defining moment, but in a new way. So instead of that post-traumatic stress, it's that post-traumatic growth situation where, you know, you know that has happened and it's helped shape you, but it's helped you be who you you are and who you're going to be. And then you get a choice then. You've woken up and now instead of just running away from a nightmare, you can choose to design your dream. And then you're living life consciously by choice, not by chance. So you're choosing your challenges. You're not just going to let life throw you around like a dodging car. You're going to decide where you want to go and set yourself a new level of challenge so that you're always growing because that's what life's always about. And you're not just getting the universe to throw things at you to force you to grow. Wow, that was big. Well, the only other thing I would add to that, yes. all of that, is around that concept can be really big for people depending on what is showing up in their life. And I think it's easy to think that that means that we're to blame for the experiences or the results or the outcomes or the difficulties that we are experiencing. And I think it's just always powerful. And one thing that we are big advocates of is having this attitude of curiosity of, well, Hmm. Well, if if I were consciously and unconsciously the co-creator of every experience in my life, and I know that life's not what happens to me, it's how I choose to respond, then, then what could this opportunity be here to teach me and to be showing me and help me evolve and grow and 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 go into that next stage? So yeah, I think just having that, you know, that curiosity, that compassion can mean that, you know, it's not our fault, the things necessarily that happen to us, but it's our opportunity to consider, well, how can I handle this? How can I move forward? And how is this helping me level up into a next level of me, depending on what that challenge is and, and you know, preparing us for the next journey? And it sometimes is hard to understand and see this if you're in the cloud of emotion. Mm-hmm. So, you know, hindsight, when you look back and you can see the learnings and lessons is huge. And, you know, sometimes it seems like life is just an accident, but there's no accidents, only a lack of awareness of why you're creating it. And if you're clouded by the fog of an emotion, it's very hard to have that clarity. So that's something that we obviously coach people for. We have coaches that help people with, but we empower people to learn during our trainings as well. Let's talk about that a little deeper. Someone listening to this right here, right now. I want to ask you both, is it important that we give ourselves permission to actually allow the emotions, to be in a pity party for a moment, to actually say life sucks right now, to feel the grief, the pain, the anger, the hurt? We can't, this isn't about sweeping our shizzle under a carpet. This isn't about avoiding pain and trying to do something more pleasurable. Talk to me a little bit more about that, actually owning the pain. And what sort of suggestions would you have that we can do to process that in order to then become curious? Mm, Well, I think we're all human and 100%, one of the most powerful things we can give ourselves is our own presence and our own emotional you know, truth and honesty with what is actually coming up and what we're feeling. One thing, though, that that we are really passionate about helping people do is is not necessarily just feel like they have to sit in their shit. You know, it's very mm. common for people to say like, oh, I was just in a funk for the last few days or the last week. And so that Decade. That, that, neg- yeah, or decade. that negative emotion can start to become what becomes the reality. And then we can become, we can keep kind of looking for it unconsciously, keep searching for things to make us feel a certain way, depending on what is active within us as well. So I would say having tools to be able to absolutely be honest and be real with your true, authentic, this is what I'm experiencing. But but I don't necessarily condone sitting in it for days, weeks, months, et cetera. So I think there's a usefulness and um, and I definitely think that, you know, owning them, processing them, working through them, obviously everything we teach are different tools and techniques for being able to transform and shift things and, mm-hmm. and also gain different perspectives and insights because sometimes we are having an emotional response to something because of the story we're making about it. But there's always, you know, so many different, situations and perspectives you know if one of the favorite sayings that paul just mentioned last week in our nlp training is you know well if someone gets their leg bitten by a shark is that a bad day well not to the shark right so everything in life is a matter of perspective and sometimes we are so zoomed in on that one fixed perspective that it's it's easy to think that certain things are only a certain way but if we we kind of zoom out that can really help us to get and i think the challenge for people is 
becoming overly attached or overly detached to an emotion. When people make an emotion them and become, makes it their story, they make it their identity, I am depressed, I am sad, I am stuck, I am worthless. They actually identify with the emotion, then that becomes their story and then they reinforce that through their life and they constantly draw more situations to reinforce their self-narrative and prove themselves right or wrong. That can be an issue. But also when people overly detach and they suppress emotions, they deny, disown, and disregard their emotions, then that can cause illness. But also, as you know, Kim, and we talk about our trainings, that also then becomes shadow traits. So they give it to the people around them. And then everyone comes back in their life with double doses and, you know, is the boomerang for all the things that they are throwing away. And so life is a balance between, you know, being overly attached and overly detached and letting yourself fully integrate and alchemize the emotion. Because as we talk about in our training, pain really stands for pay attention, integrate now, and learn to healthily express the emotional experience, not, not attached to it so much that it becomes who you are and it's all you are and all you have, but also not so much that it, you know, you push it away and you disown it. And I would also add and also allow yourself to unhealthily express it and mm. not make a story about that. Because yeah. I think sometimes if we are quote unquote human and there's a moment or something like that, then we create a narrative and then we feel guilty for that or we feel, you know, and so then it becomes even bigger in our minds. So I think just that that ultimate compassion of like we are all doing the best we can with the level of awareness and resources we have. And so by being like fast both, and I think why even yourself, Kim, why we continue to be on this growth journey and keep studying and learning these things is, well, if I'm doing the best that I can with the resources I have available, why wouldn't I, as a human, equip myself with as many resources as I can so I can continue to do the best I can with the resources I continue to have available for myself? And I think that, you know, it gives you a little bit of compassion for yourself. But I think it's an exciting time in the world because people these days are so much more self-aware than we've ever been. I think social media has been an incredible thing for educating people, for giving and sharing resources, tools, like the world of of inner work and self-help people are mm. that much more aware of now that the even just the narrative in society, I think, is much more open to these kinds of concepts than even five years ago. So, yeah, I think it's it's exciting and I think it's good because people are learning not to make certain emotions bad or wrong, but how can I be human but also how can I process things and, and keep moving forward and not just stay stuck in it. Do you think then from the perspective of everyday human, is it because of the way we grow up? Is it the the beliefs we get created? Because someone will say to me, having an extramarital affair is wrong. And yet if I go to Dubai or I'm in the United Emirates or I'm in somewhere in the Middle East where a man can have or it's expected or accepted that he can have four, five, six wives, that's not seen as wrong. So, so often it seems that we humans put things into boxes. We want to make sense of it. So we create this parameter or this, this system of beliefs that we think is right or wrong. And then this harsh world of reality of judgment comes in. How do we unblock or unlock what could be our reality and then give ourselves the opportunity for new perceptions, new realities. What's the tool there? I know we're going to talk about this more on the how-to later, but mm. as a human right here, right now, how do we unlock that creativity to become more curious around something that we've been told is a truth or one way? Perfect. Well, I think you explained it really well. We are born with no sort of inherent morality or operating system that says this is good or bad, right or wrong. Then things like religion and society and, you know, parenting come in and they create these you know, rule sets that are moralities that are imposed on life. Because if you look at nature, um, the great American philosopher Kanye West says there's no church in the world, right? There's no good or bad, right or wrong. It's just a good day for a shark, a bad day for a fish. And so we say healthy, unhealthy based on our values, our beliefs. We say good, bad based on our values and beliefs. And we are brought up in a conditional love model. You know, people say, I love my child unconditionally, but I'll tell them off if they do this. And they're a good boy when they do that. And they're a bad boy when they do that. So that's conditions. We're saying it's okay for you to do this. And it's not okay for you to. Our society we're brought up in, our ethnic background, our whatever background you want to say it is, we have certain things that have been passed down generationally 
that we are told this is the way that you need to live life. And if you don't, you don't fit our model. So you're now good, bad, ugly, whatever, right? And so that is one of the reasons that people do either become too attached to emotions, identities, behaviors, or they become too detached and push them outside the boundary of self and create this split persona or create this um, other identity where they have, you know, they're in two minds where I need to be good. So I'm going to suppress these urges or I'm going to suppress expressing this emotion. And so this is what a lot of people are fighting within their own heads because the judgments we're taught growing up become our own judgments as we grow. Mm -hmm. And so our head and our consciousness becomes an echo chamber for the things our parents said to us, the things we heard in our religion growing up, the things our school teachers told us, the things we saw on TV, the things that everyone around us sort of showed us both in their words, in their deeds, and, you know, in their not saying things and not doing things too, have just become this hall of mirrors echo chamber that we try to fit the model in for the rest of life. And for a lot of people can be very restrictive. And so we really help people to kind of unpack the early years of their life and the early childhood upbringing, the map that their parents gave them for a world that no longer exists that they have to navigate through. Because a lot of the time it's been well outgrown and, you know, it's like trying to try on a pair of clothes that you used to wear when you were five or six years old. It's going to start being really restrictive, really uncomfortable. And so a good question to start exploring is, well, if you're wanting to get curious, well, well, how is what you're doing right now currently working out for you? And where are there some gaps or some restrictions that you're Mm. feeling in your life as well? And for a lot of people, they can relate to the fact that their phone, their computer every other week says, hey, new software available, update. And you know that it runs smoother and that it, you know, can update and use the new programs, the new apps. But a lot of people are still running on the programs that their parents had for a world that no longer exists. And it's not fit for the world that you exist in anymore. So what we kind of do is get people to look and run a virus scan for their mind and go, hey, look, there's a couple of bugs in here. This is not going to be working well in this reality anymore. I need to update my software. And so they really get a choice to choose some of their new beliefs and, you know, realign their values for what is actually going to help them navigate the world that they're in now Mm -hmm. and achieve their outcomes that they want versus just running a map that's kind of crinkled, burnt, coffee stains on it for a map that, you know, a world that doesn't exist anymore. And, you know, I suppose we all do operate within a society and there's certain rules and guidelines and things that in a society are right and wrong. And so for, you know, myself and Paul, rather than label something as good or bad, right and wrong, we always recommend using a label of useful or unuseful in terms of what future you're wanting to create, right? Like everyone knows if they break the law, they're probably going to end up in jail. So it's probably an unuseful thing to follow something that's not going to be within the boundaries of the law. But, you know, the morals or the the values or the things that you were instilled with or programmed, are they fitting the world that you're living in today as well? Because the world has evolved dramatically from when we were programmed in our childhood and even our parents were as well. So I think, yeah, starting to explore, well, what are some of the things that you do believe and are they still serving and are they useful for the future that you're wanting to create because we will come across someone in our course that wants to start a business but they'll have a belief that all businesses fail in the first 12 months and so that might have been something that got passed down to them 30 years ago when they learned their models for business but now it's no longer useful and, and or selling not, is bad yeah one of the key things you need to do in business is make a sale or there's no client there's no product there's no yeah. anything so if you want to run a business but you've got major blocks on money or sales because growing up, money is the root of all evil. All salesmen are, you know, sneaky or whatever. Mm-hmm. Those kind of things can be real limitations. And that's the thing, even coming back to your question around, you know, infidelity, right? It's, well, is it right or wrong, good or bad? Is it useful or unuseful for the future you're wanting to create, you know? And so just starting to use that as a bit of a guide can can support you and let go of that black and white mindset and, mm. and ease some of that perception as well. So start getting exploring that. You both spoke of nature, and there's something that I've been looking at with nature. Nature is cruel. (laughs) Nature is barbaric, and yet we're told in order to live this enlightened life, spend more time in nature, hug more trees, become more evolved, listen to the plants, it's it's, it's all beautiful. But nature, as you mentioned, it's a survival mechanism. It's it's the survival of the fittest. It's, It's harsh. It's cruel. Humans, for some reason, it seems that we shouldn't have struggle, we shouldn't have pain, and 
people want to avoid that. Can you mm. talk to us a little bit about the drive towards pain or away, sorry, towards pleasure or away from pain? And yet the reality is life is tough sometimes. You've talked about growth opportunities. You've talked about times where they really do challenge us according to mm. the level we're at. But how can we allow that to land into our hearts? Perfect. That's a great question. And I love how you, you sort of set that up because like you said, nature, you use cruel and all these things, but that's a judgment. Yeah. I was going to say, nature just, just is. It is. <laughs> and you need destruction in order to have creation. You need cons- you need to consume something in order to be producing, right? So, you know, life eats life. Nature is that constant feeding itself by just the death of one plant becomes the, the fertilizer for the next. The one animal's feast becomes the other animal's demise. And so those things are the natural cycles of, of life. And as human beings, we have evolved from animal. We've actually, if you look through our evolution as an embryo and our DNA, we actually, almost every species is encoded in our DNA of how we've gone through, like a single-celled amoeba to an amphibian to a reptile to a mammalian crawling pattern to a bipedal, a, you know, brachiation like a monkey and using our grab and reach and then we evolved to a homo sapien if you see me in my shirt off most people think that the evolution hasn't gone very far <laughs> but we actually have the same hard wiring the same neuro- neurology and um you know hormonal system that a lot of primitive animals still have and so we still have that instinct and our sort of instinct and our ability to run away from pain and avoid it and to go towards pleasure. That's hardwired in and even single cell organisms work that way. They move away from pain and they move towards pleasure. And so we are hardwired to that. But what has happened through our evolution is our brain centers have developed. So our different parts of our higher brain function have the ability to transcend and include those lower levels. So we can actually, even though our body will respond to the stimulus of this hurts or this doesn't, some people can actually see the pain of another person as a pleasure and other people see the pleasure as a pain. So people's perception of the stimulus actually affects their interpretation of the stimulus. And so as we tap into that higher part of our brain, we don't see the same world. We are actually going to ascribe meaning and ascribe what we find pleasure and purpose and, you know, inspiration and fulfillment in is going to look different for everybody. And so people will take pleasure in handling the pain in situations because it gives them life purpose and meaning where this is one of the unique things about human beings. We have this ability to create meaning and purpose out of the same environment that an animal would just go get food and go to sleep. We actually have this story and this, you know, bigger narrative we impose on it. And so people will seek challenges and sometimes seek pain in order to grow and seek obstacles in order to to, to grow, not only pleasure. And so there's nothing wrong with doing one or the other, but what will happen if you transcend those animal instincts, the impulse and the instincts, you actually get to a point where you, you know, are using the animal nature of yourself, but also having that angelic nature and the ability to give meaning and give purpose to things and not be stuck in the cycle of just avoiding pain and seeking pleasure. Like that is one part, but then when you really get purpose, that's when you get to the higher brain functions and you know that life, the pain in life is serving you and so is the pleasure. And you don't swing too far either side. You just stay on path on your purpose and you keep you know, moving towards your life mission. And that's one way to kind of manage those you know, waves of human emotion as well. And I think the only thing that's coming up for me when you asked about how to really land it in your heart is a couple of years ago, I did the 10 day sit, the Vipassana meditation. And one of the biggest sort of takeaways that I got from it is our um, desire to avoid pain and and have aversions. So when we're mm. in the pain, be like, I want to get away from this. I want to get out of this. So when you're sitting for 10 days, like your butt really starts to hurt. And all you want is you have these cravings, these cravings to feel better. And then when we feel better, we have cravings to keep feeling better. And, oh, I just want to hold on to this feeling. And I just want to keep feeling better. And the biggest learning and teaching I got was like that, that saying of like, whatever is happening, just be with it whether it's pain, whether it's pleasure, like not be so like, oh, yes, it's the pleasure that we want more of it because then that's that craving for the pleasure. But, oh, this feels good. Okay. Oh, this feels shit. 
okay and kind of be in that okayness of whatever is coming up for us because then we stop being as paul mentioned as animalistic and as reactive and as like you know red button green button we're we're more just present with what is and i find that 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 always helps me land in my heart is just obviously being present with what is and removing the story, removing the desires, removing the attachments and just noticing it and witnessing this is my life experience right now. And, you know, for myself personally, the last few years, I've definitely navigated a lot of personal challenges. And that that point of being able to just find my heart and my center and go, no matter what, I don't have to make a story about this. I don't have to make it mean anything more. Obviously, we talked about a couple of minutes ago about finding out what are the lessons and the learnings, but at some point as well, just landing in our heart and not making it mean anything other than being okay and being present in this moment, regardless of what's kind of triggering or mm. what we might be reacting or responding to. So, yeah, I think it's an interesting ride, isn't it? <laughs> well, let's, let's talk about, I mean, you explain it so beautifully, but it's all very good and well to work on ourselves. And it's all very good and well to then find this beautiful um, pathway of growth and um, experiences and getting curious and education. And then there's this other human that we've chosen to live with. <laughs> and they may or may not be on the same path. And then we may give birth to these little humans who also have their own set of beliefs or values or whatever it is that their little purposes come into this world. How have you both navigated the growth of each other? I'm assuming, and correct me if I'm wrong, that there's been moments where one of you has been growing and one of you hasn't, or one of you is going through a challenge and one of you isn't having the same um, reaction or feelings. Let's talk about your relationship now. How do you both be you and allow the other person to be them? As you said, Juliet, it is what it is. Let's talk about that. Great. That's an awesome question. And we're in a pretty unique position because we not only are in relationship with each other, we're in business partnership and we literally do a lot together. So, you know, if you've argued with a business partner or you argue with a relationship partner, we have all that, but I feel like we manage it really, really well. And there are times and challenges where we've just got lots happening with life and all those things. But I think we understand a lot that we're on the same team. Okay. And, you know, if you're on a team, sometimes you don't agree with the play, you don't agree with who's got the ball and who's doing what, but you know, the outcome is the same and however you get there, you've got to manage. So I feel like at times us both growing and us both having our goals and dreams. And I think one thing for us has been huge of making sure we do have our own time and our own space because of the fact we have so much combined together. Uh, it is huge. What do you want to add in? I mean, it sounds so cliche, but yeah. I would say communication a hundred percent. Like mm. we, we actually don't have really any areas where we don't communicate. Like we go anywhere and everywhere in terms of communication. And sometimes there'll be something and we'll say like, Oh, can I just, can I just let you know what's coming up for me? Or can I just let you know what, and when we can talk through it. And I think, that's obviously the benefit of us both living, breathing this work because we do get people that come into our courses and they're on this growth journey and they'll lament about like, oh, my, my partner's just really not interested. They're really closed off to this. And so it's it's great to think about, well, what is their path? And maybe mm -hmm. they're on the right path for what their growth is. Um, we do have a very unique level of awareness, I think, on our own creation of each other and our rejected shadow traits. So I know if Paul's doing something that's really irking me, I'll take some time to go away and look at how I'm either displaying or not displaying that or owning that or, you know, disowning that in my own life. And that will automatically create some shifts. I don't know that there's ever been a time in the whole time we've been together that we both haven't been evolving, but in different ways. Yeah. Um, and I think like external to what we do with us, I think in general for most people and definitely helps in our relationship is whether or not someone is doing what you're doing, they're doing it in their own way. Yes. So you, okay, you're studying, you're growing, you're leveling up your mindset and emotional ability to do things, right? But if your partner isn't, it doesn't mean they're not. It just doesn't look the same as you. So they've got their own values, their own beliefs, and their own things that they are studying, their own things they're challenging themselves in. And so if you can 
look outside yourself, which is the hardest thing to do for a human being because we only see through our own eyes, hear with our ears, feel with our feelers, right? <laughs> feelers. And so we sometimes think, well, they're not doing it the way I'm doing it. So either they're saying I'm wrong or what they're doing is wrong. So like we kind of compare that. Mm. And so if you can see how what they're doing is serving your values and helping you grow, and if they can see what how what you're doing is helping them grow in their values, then you're probably going to cheer them on and help them achieve their goals and know that that's the best thing that they can do to help you and not necessarily have to micromanage each other or question why they do things. You understand and have acceptance for everyone as they are, which funnily enough helps you to love and accept yourself way more because when you know what no longer want to change how other people are, that's unconsciously showing you that it's okay to be you because you don't want to have to change yourself either. And so what tends to happen is the more people think, well, that person in my life needs to change and that person in my life needs to change and that person in my life needs to sort this out. That's basically a reflection of how you feel about yourself. And so the more that you are imposing that person this, this person that, the more unconscious you're saying, what's well, not okay for me to do that. It's not okay for me to do that um, because we have this, you know, perception is projection or this mirror neuron phenomenon mm. or this, you know, you know, whatever you want to call it. Basically, we look out the outside world and we only ever see a reflection of ourselves. So the more you can love and accept everyone for what they're doing and the journey they're on, the more you kind of give yourself green lights too. And it's a it's an interesting phenomenon. When you don't want or need other people to change, they don't need to be changed either. And so you kind of free yourself from having to be the martyr or be the savior. Because a lot of people, they swim in just fine. They're just do different strokes for different folks, right? They're just doing it slightly different than you. Mm. And I think like learning more about yourself and also even just simple things like your partner's love language and little things like that, it all adds up. And I think we've both had the benefit of having really dysfunctional relationships before now. And so we're both really grateful. Functional. They differently. Function differently. They function yeah. really differently. And so we're both really grateful to have each other and, and be able to talk at this level. Contrast is a beautiful thing. Mm, we're both very grateful yeah. for you know, the contrast. And- everyone has helped me grow in the way that I have and like I wouldn't be where I am without those relationships yeah and it definitely has helped me to be a different partner in this relationship and learn different things about myself because that was a reflection of me at that time so that's great well I think we can often safely say not while we're in the throes of a problem or a challenge or a relationship issue that often it's working through that mud or that clunkiness or that challenge that we actually come out the other side and realize if it wasn't for that I wouldn't be who I am today. So I just want to reiterate that, that sometimes we think a problem is bad or we judge it or perceive it as wrong. And yet when we sit in it and we actually observe with, I would say, with love, and that might sound a little bit cliche too, but with love, in other words, no judgment or what you were saying to Juliet, where we can sit with it. I think that is fundamentally a beautiful place and something that I try to practice each and every day. But I want to throw something to you both. We know there's trailblazers out there that funk to a different beat and they, 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 you know, we wouldn't be in society without those ones that go first, without the ones that are willing to put themselves out there. And then we can have the people that try and pull them down. And we've seen for ourselves over the last three years in particular, there's been a lot of conflict, a lot of judgment and a lot of perceived Uh, beliefs or truths on what people think. How have you both navigated through the last three years, not only from your relationship and business point of view, but also obviously training people to think differently, think bigger, and yet they're attached to certain thoughts or outcomes. How have you personally navigated the last three years with so much, I guess, conflict Mm. around? Well, I mean, it's interesting. I'm, I'm a big believer that what we see of the external world is is a big reflection of our internal world. And so unpacking and dissolving and identifying any conflicts that we have within ourselves is a really great place to start. Um, so definitely the last few years, but also since I've started doing this work, it's, it's constantly looking at, well, what am I seeing in the world that I don't like? And how is that present in my own inner world in a smaller scale? Like that's that's number one. And also we've just, we've had to learn to build this muscle of resilience and pivoting and being present with what is and noticing, okay, things are showing up different. What's the feedback and having like behavioral flexibility to just shift and change. Like I hand on my heart said to someone three or four years ago, 
I will never teach an NLP practitioner training online. It's just not the right format. You don't get as much. I was so against it. And then, hey, presto, COVID happened and we had no choice or it meant we weren't running trainings because we couldn't guarantee them. Now our business is completely online. So I had to eat my hat and I had to own that. And now I get to see the benefit of that because we literally have students from all over the world and I constantly am reminded, well, I wonder what other things I'm I'm resistant to that if I lent into them and I actually stepped into them, there would actually be so many blessings and gifts on the other side of that. So I guess not having too much of an ego and being willing to admit when you're wrong is really important, um, but also you know, being okay with change. And I think our capacity to adapt to change mm-hmm. has gotten better. I think so many people would say the last few years was was X. You know, people will have their own label. They'll have their own linguistic representation for what the last few years was. But the last few years was just the last few years and it's what we make it mean, right? And there were so many good things. And I think, um, yeah, a lot of benefits came from it for us. I mean, personally, our work-life balance is is a lot better now. Having made those changes and adjustments, there's a lot of different wins. Um, and, and, yeah, I think that that's what's sort of coming to mind for me. Yeah, I think... Um, my sort of experience of it has forced us to evolve. Again, that's one of those life throws a curveball at you. You're gonna, what are you gonna do to it, right? Mm-hmm. And so for us, we either could have crumbled, blamed the external world for why we couldn't do what we wanted to do, but we go, okay, great, we got a chance here. This is what it's doing. This is the curveball. Are we gonna swing at it, or are we gonna, what are we gonna do? So it forced us to adapt, evolve, and change, and get better at things we weren't good at. And so we had to develop our weak arm. This is my weak arm, right? We had our <laughs> strong arm that we were doing you know, face-to-face, in-person, yeah. all around Australia. Comfort zone. Yep. And then we go, okay, great. A little about my other arm that I don't use very much. Well, let's get better at that. And so we actually tied our good arm behind our back and practiced what we weren't good at. And we developed a skill set now that that arm is actually, we go to that arm as our number one thing, right? And so that's been really awesome and really useful because it has kind of forced us to grow and change. And I think for me personally, it's made me double down on the self-reliance, you know, not expecting the outside world to hand me anything, not expecting the outside world to give me anything mm. and realizing that if letting the world make you feel safe, letting the world make you feel like this and that, no one can give that to you. It's only, it's you. You have to, if you want to feel that it's, it's your personal choice, your personal thing. And so, you know, doubling down on being self-reliant, not expecting the outside world to hand you the life that we're living. We've been super privileged to live in the world that we do now with all the access to things. We live like kings of previous generations would have dreamed of. They wouldn't have, they would never have got this kind of level of experience we have. So you know, if you want to have that in your life, then you need to be reliant in a, a different kind of way and, and think about how you can bolster your life. That If the world shut down, how would you still be able to function and, and experience the level of life that you want? And so, you know, self-reliance in a lot of different ways and just sort of checking occasionally of what you put importance on because at any moment it can change. The outside world can change, but if you still can do the things that you want to do with your life, then you, no one can take that away from you. Oh, so beautifully said. We're coming to the close of the first part. I want to invite you guys back to talk about the how-to. We're getting a real feel for the way you two think, the way you teach, the way you feel and live your lives. But I'm really curious to know what is both of your um, definition of love? I imagine at times that you two have had moments, as you've said, where there's conflict or some other thing that's come up. Mm -hmm. And I can't imagine you two, or maybe you can tell us, do Paul and Juliet call each other on this work when they're actually in a personal funk or any place and explain to us what love in a relationship means to you both? Mm. I I agree. I think there's a balancing act that when you do know this kind of work is that space between unconditional love, but also seeing that person in their potential and knowing when they're maybe being the victim or playing that effect too much. And I think we have got that balance pretty well. Like we'll let each other just 
be a human and, 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 and feel and like do things. And, and, you know, no one is an NLP trainer 24 seven, you know, we'll, we, our favorite thing to do is sit and watch survivor and, you know, chat about all the different psychological assessments we see happening in there. Like we're still human. We still like to just like chill out and go and get bubble tea every now and then. Like we will just let ourselves be sometimes, but also we know, all right, enough's enough. Now we're, we're, we're back and we're focused and we're really great at working together efficiently and and focusing and zeroing in. So we will, you know, map something out in a couple of hours that could take people a couple of months, for example. Like when, when we're both on, we will just be on, but we're also really good at knowing, especially like when we run a seven-day training, for example, we'll know, hey, we just need this day to just, just be and just do and just go for a walk or go to the beach and no expectations. So I think love is when you can really see that person that you're spending your life with or who is in your world with that what we call evolved state that infinite potential where you see them beneath all the layers of illusion of their programming their blocks their limiting beliefs their negative emotions and you just see the human miracle that's before you that to me is love and then love is also being able to go, do you know what? We're on this human journey and human ride. Let, let's enjoy all the all the facets of it. So I don't I don't know if that answers your question. Uh, I suppose like one thing for me, you know, when you think about unconditional love, um, that that's that's really interesting to navigate too, because I think again, deepening your love for yourself is always going to then ripple into all of the different, you know, aspects of a relationship that you have with someone. Yeah. What do you think? So depending on which level of love that you want definition of, I'll start with the biggest first, the unconditional love. That's a unconditional means no conditions. So for me to have unconditional love, that's already a condition like me. Okay. So outside the boundaries of that, I, the easiest way to explain it would be un, like complete acceptance, total yes. Right. Um, so anything that's happening, anything that's going on, just letting it be, experiencing it without the layer of right, wrong, good, bad, mm. et cetera. So that's where I would start with that. In terms of relationship and dynamic, I feel like it's a growth. It's a, it, Relationships, I think Juliet quotes, um, is it Eckhart Tolle that you quote? They're not designed to make us happy. They're designed to make us conscious. Yeah. It's one of my favourites. Yeah. yeah. And also whole, you know, if you aren't owning some of yourself, your partner will bring it back to you. Yes. They'll, they'll bring you back the, the half of yourself that you're not And some people, in. I talked about that on our social media recently and some people misinterpreted it to mean when I said relationships aren't designed to make us happy, they're designed to make us whole. People in out there thought that I meant you need a relationship to be whole, but what we meant was like they'll show you the unowned parts of yourself that is designed to bring you back into wholeness and and integration within yourself don't you know make a joke make about make holes we're out no. just we're all just out seeking holes kim we're just out looking for holes no and so <laughs> this is where as a human being like you you're trying to seek self you you want that and in a partner if they can bring you that unity the the whether it's you know masculine feminine that yin and that yang nature abhors a vacuum so if there's an empty space of void it wants to be filled so there's a will to be filled and there's a you know will to fill and so your partner and you are constantly in a dance between trying to make each other whole and you know if you're disowning a trait your partner will definitely bring it to you and they'll push your buttons and sometimes be the the person that gets on your nerves because it's your stuff and so they're there and you know we talk about in our courses how Carl Jung used to say that we tend to marry our unconscious mind and project all of our unresolved things on there. And so your partner is a mirror. And if they are showing you things on a regular basis, it, it, it usually will indicate something inside yourself that needs attention. You know, for, for a man, the, the female partner is definitely an, the emotional mirror, you know, showing you, okay, what's going on unconsciously in that. And for the female, I don't know, I've never been on the other side of the equation, the male mirror, what, what would you say I am? <laughs> <laughs> the annoying stuff no no no, no. <laughs> i mean we 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 play to our strengths as well but, yeah. yeah and look is the better you get to learn to dance with each other and, and support each other and bolster each other up i think that that helps and if you can have aligned goals and aligned values that makes a big difference and it doesn't mean it has to be the same you know if you can see how what they want helps you get what you want and seeing them happy and fulfilled 
is the best thing that you can have in your life. We like to have jokes as well together, obviously being in this work, you know, we'll say something like, I'll say to Paul, like, oh, I love you. And he'll say, are you just saying that? And I go, yeah, I literally just said it. Like I'm just saying it, you know, and so we'll, we'll play and dance. And, and even around, like we got engaged a couple of years ago and we, have been constantly asked, like, when are you getting married? When are you getting married? Even Kim, you've asked us. I know you're a celebrant. And we are so interested in language that we both have sort of made this decision that we really love the idea of staying engaged in life with one another. Mm. And it's this beautiful space where, where, where even one of the things that I like to think about when we talk about the idea of a relationship, we talk about it like it's a static object, but a relationship, as we know, it's like a constant process of relating to one another. And so I love staying engaged with you through mm. this life journey and keeping our relationship engaging sounds really cool to and us. And committing to each other on a regular basis as well. Like yeah, every New Year's we, we're we, like, we you still in? You in re- for another year? We negotiate contracts with yeah, each we, other. Yeah, we're, we're on a year-by-year contract. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, do they, do they live up to the, the requirements? And <laughs> Keeps then, us yeah. honest. Keeps us honest. And, yeah. look, having fun, having a sense of humour. Yeah. If you, if you can't laugh at each other, then you're going to cry basically, right? So I think having a sense of humour is massive and just having fun on the journey as well. If you can play together, that makes a big difference and not taking everything so serious uh, definitely helps, I think. Yeah, you're definitely good at that. Yeah, having a bit of a laugh. You do, and you make us laugh in your in the process. I can assure you. And when we get all those Paulisms coming out in the trainings and in our conversations, I just want the listener to know they're they're gold. There's, there yeah. should be a book on Paulisms. But I I really want to acknowledge you both, and really want to say that whilst it sounds kind of easy the way you both talk about it there has been a lot of personal investment a lot of growth a lot of learning a lot of education and a lot of money that you've both spent on becoming bigger better versions of yourself just one final question before we go into the second part of this beautiful interview you know to invest in oneself is investing in all sorts of um, the ripple effect that it has on the people around you i just wanted to finish on one quick question about your both of your beliefs in investing in oneself mhm oh 100% i think it's the best thing you can do if you value yourself and you see value in yourself then everyone else will so that you know it doesn't have to be money but there's lots of ways to invest time, energy, focus, how you fill your space. Ever since I had that sort of light bulb moment in my late teens, early 20s, I've been conscious of what I do and what I don't do, where I invest my time and energy. Um, you know, a lot of people in their 20s, they like, not that I didn't do it, I did a little bit, but like I didn't go out and party, didn't do all those things. I spent time working, learning, working on myself, giving myself, you know, the time and headspace that I needed to get where I am now and investment in terms of courses. Like I probably averaged 10 to $20,000 plus a year on education since my early twenties plus like definitely even more than that some years. Mm. And so I remember when we met and we moved in together and I was like unpacking all these boxes and I literally was just like, Oh my gosh. And they were just like, books and courses and DVDs for miles. And I was just like, this is incredible. I've always wanted to learn this and always Mm. wanted to study that. And so it was just like you could really see how he'd been researching and studying these things for a lot of them had a lot of dust as well, like the very, very long time. Uh, But I definitely agree. I think investing in yourself, like you bring yourself into every interaction in every situation in your life. So the moment you level up you everything else your relationships your finances your career your you know your health everything benefits so i don't really know why people would invest in anything you know like why they wouldn't like why you wouldn't want to invest in you and i think sometimes it's because there's like intangibles people don't really know what that's going to look like or what it's going to be and also i don't know about you but I found early on in my kind of quote unquote healing journey that there were a lot of kind of therapists or healers or things that thought that healing had to be traumatic and this big, you know, you've got to scream and purge and this big song and dance. And and really a lot of the techniques that we work with and share, they're they're just really practical and integratable and they just, but they work and they work Mm. quickly with the unconscious mind, which is where all change occurs. And so I just think, you know, whether someone's in business for themselves or whether you're working for someone else, like 
you're going to benefit when you look through a clearer filter of perception and a clearer lens um, and you'll you'll start filtering because what we filter for unconsciously we find and often we haven't cleared those unconscious filters to perception ever no one's taught us how to do it so I think it's it's you know, the best investment you can ever make. Because if you think about it, it's going to compound every year after year after year, you're going to benefit as a result of shifting 100%. things. And that's easy to see in a physical form, like for people that have invested in themselves by going to the gym, stretching or exercising. If you've done that consistently over a long period of time, you know, that pays off. You know, I definitely did a lot of exercise and a lot of things in my 20s. And I now still compete with people in their 20s, but I know people that are in they're my age now getting close to 40 that just couldn't right and so that investment in that area has paid off but investment in the area of mindset investment in the area of learning about yourself the investment in you know any area of life over time compounding on a consistent basis pays off and so you know to start with the first time you go to the gym it's a bit of a struggle it's hard it's a stretch and you like don't really want to do it but after a while you get addicted to it your body craves it you need it and you feel better when you do same thing with your mindset work. Mm-hmm. Same thing when you're developing yourself emotionally, setting goals, challenging yourself, growing as a person, putting yourself outside your comfort zone. All of those things at any point in life can be developed. There's people that haven't trained their whole life, but in their older age, start getting the same kind of strength gains, the same sort of muscle growth that people in their early 20s would get. Same thing with mindset work. Same thing with setting a goal for the first time. Same thing from looking at the world from a different point of view. They're all trainable. They're all things that you can develop if you invest in yourself and and put the time and energy into those areas of life too. I think one of the most beautiful things that you have both allowed many of us, the thousands of us that have come through your trainings, is that whilst the cave looks really scary and it might look like it's intimidating and dark, actually entering the cave and then actually seeing ourselves in our truth, in our light, we realize the thing we're afraid of the most is actually not even true. And so the more we can learn with beautiful souls like yourself and see you guys as an incredible beacon for light, I cannot... I cannot recommend or rate you both highly enough as trainers, but also as leaders, as thought and change agents. And I just want to congratulate and acknowledge you both. And now I want to ask you, if if we kind of finish here, would you be willing to now come back and share us with us the how-to? Would that be a go for you two? Oh, 100%. We'd love to. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, stay tuned, beautiful listeners. When you tune in next week, you're going to hear how these two beautiful souls do literally help us to change our lives. Thanks for listening to the Self Love Podcast. Be sure to write a review and share the love with your friends and family and head over and visit Kim and her team at 28.com. That's the word 20 and the number 8.com. Take good care. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.